Corinthians 13 is, is, is what is known as the love chapter. Everyone say the love chapter. The love chapter. And so we're, we're like, this is kind of like the introduction to the rest of the summer. So we have some plans. We, we did some brainstorming and, and uh, we're, we're still working on solidifying the rest of the plans. But all I can say at this point without giving everything away is that we have some pretty amazing things like in the cooker, so to speak. <laughs> They're in a, it's in a slow cooker right now, you know what I'm saying? So it's getting nice and tender. But um, we're, we just have some really awesome things like coming uh, for the rest of summer. So as you know, the next Thursday, there is an actual crux service. So we're going to be downstairs in the conference getting blasted with power and the love of God. It's going to be great. But then the week after that is crux. And then the week after that is dance show. So, hey, that's going to be awesome. And then after that, there's crux. So it's a little, uh, like scattered a little bit, um, uh, for this month, but then we have all of July, and then we have a, uh, a couple weeks in August, and then we have our third Friday hangouts that we do all the time. So we have some really special things uh, in the cooker for you guys. But tonight, I want to set it up because it is the theme for our whole summer is called the Summer of Love. <laughs> Look at your neighbor and say the Summer of Love. <laughs> <laughs> If you're, if you're sitting next to the same, like, these guys don't want to talk to each other about that, but uh, anyway. You guys are okay. That's cool. Yeah. <laughs> okay. But we're talking about the summer of love, and, and what God, I, I just feel like the Lord just put on my heart is, is this chapter, 1 Corinthians 13, and we're going to read it in just a second. But what I want you to realize is that 13 is in between 12 and 14. True. That is crazy math right there. <laughs> It goes like this. Everyone count with me. 12, 13, 14. That's wild, right? So there's, this is a, called a sandwich. Everyone say sandwich. 13 is sandwich in between two numbers, 12 and 14. And it's so important that we realize that because if we don't understand 12 and 14, 13 is not going to make sense the way it's supposed to make sense. And so we got to understand this because what we read in 1 Corinthians 13 was not written so that we would have a really tender passage to read in a marriage ceremony. Now, here's the dealio. I have done about almost 20 weddings in the past, I don't know, eight years or whatever it was that I've been ordained. So 2007, that's not, that's almost, that's nine years. So I've been an ordained minister for nine years. I've done almost 20 weddings and almost all of them, except for like two, because they're like, can you not read that? Because everybody always does it. I don't want to be like everybody else. And so I'm like, all right, cool, whatever. And so, uh, but most of them want to read this passage that we're about to read. We didn't read it yet, but we're about to read this passage. And, and it's because it's so descriptive about this thing called love. Everyone say love. We're talking about summer of love. And now we're looking at this. And so they want us to read this passage. And, and so this is, it's a great application for it because it's a great description of what love is and what love does. But the reality is, is that's not the primary interpretation of this passage. The, the primary interpretation is, remember, 13 is in between 12 and 14. What is 12 and 14 about? You got it, my friend. Spiritual gifts. Spiritual gifts. And so Paul is writing to this wild church called the Corinthians in a city called Corinth, where these crazy people, uh, they got saved out of really wild lifestyles. If you want to compare it to a modern day city, uh, no offense to my brother Mark James because he grew up there. Uh, Las Vegas is a wild city, you know, and, and, and I, don't, I don't necessarily agree with the, the phrasing, but you all will know, know what I'm saying. It's called Sin City. 
Have you heard of that? They, they call it Sin City. Uh, <laughs> and so I don't really agree with that. Because I, I really just believe that's just like a label that we, you know, yes. that, that, you know, the world can put on it. I really love to... To just think of it in the opposite, like that's the city that was born for creativity and for wealth producing and, and, and for just things. Because if you look at it, that's what they do just in the negative. So we just have to look at, oh, that's what the devil was doing. So let's flip it on the converse and see what God really intended for the city, right? Yeah. So you see, though, in this city that you see a lot of promiscuity, you see a lot of greed, you see a lot of lust, you see a lot of different things going on in the city. And this is kind of, if I would compare it, like what the Corinth people came out of. And so they were not only... Uh, promiscuous and you know doing a lot of sexually immoral things as because that was their religion their really <laughs> their religion was that you go have sex with prostitutes and that was how they did things it's just a wild place that they that they were in and so the the other side of it too is that they were also the spiritual people too so now you got to realize it, it's kind of like you know you hear the phrase you know you can take the gangster out of the ghetto but it's hard to take the ghetto out of the gangster you know what I'm saying oh my god I, that phrase. I just killed that phrase huh? like okay you can take the person at Esco but you no I'm just I'm, I'm playing I'm playing I love Escondido I love Escondido <laughs> Y'all know what I'm saying, though? Let's go. Let's just do biblical. Let's just do biblical. I'm just going to go biblical. You can, take, you can take the slaves out of Egypt, but it's hard to take the, the, you know, the, the Egypt out of the, the Israelites. You know, because, because what happened was uh, they were in slavery for so long. But the, how many realize that the slavery stayed inside of them even, the, even though they were yeah. free? Yeah, because it, because, the, because the, it's the mindset. It's how you think. It's how you believe about life. And so these Corinthian people, uh, they get born again. Like Jesus saves them and rescues them. The Bible actually tells us, if you go back a few chapters in chapter 6, it tells us what kind of people the church was filled with. You, you want to just look at it real quick? I don't know. Let's, let's just look at it. It's, it's actually 1 Corinthians 6, and this is what it says. Uh, verse 9, 10, and 11. It says, Do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? All right, let's start with something encouraging. It says, Do not be deceived. Neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor homosexuals, nor sodomites, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners. I'm reading the King, New King James. Uh, will inherit the kingdom of God. Wait, wait, verse 11. And such were some of you. Did you catch that? He's telling you what kind of church the, the Corinthians were. They were, they were ex-homosexuals. They were ex-idolaters. They were ex-adulterers. They were ex-thieves. They were ex-drunkards. You know, <laughs> they were ex-extortioners. Like, how many of y'all realize this is a wild bunch that's, that just got born again? He said, and such were some of you, but you were washed, you were sanctified, and you were justified in the name of our Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of our God. So this is the kind of people that are in this church. Now they get filled with the Holy Spirit, and, and they, they start discovering that they can do supernatural things. And it's wild because now they're like speaking in tongues like crazy people. They're, you know, uh, you know, in my mind, I would think that they would swing from the chandeliers if they had them back, back then. Their worship services were probably like cartwheels all over the place. But, you know, and, and not only that, they, they didn't even know how to like discipline people. So if you read 1 Corinthians chapter 5 in the earlier, this dude is sleeping with his stepmom. Like, and, they, and they actually didn't correct him about it. <laughs> so they not only carried their immorality issues into their following Jesus life, but they also carried their wildness, uh, in which I, I, I like wild, but, you know, it has to be sanctified. You know what I'm saying? And, and they carried their immorality stuff in. They carried their wildness and their, their wild spirituality. They carried all of this into their I'm following Jesus life. 
And so this is where Paul comes in. So he's, now he's going like, listen, guys, this is all. Let me tell you another thing that's happening in here. If you let chapter 11 in the book, uh, they're taking communion and they're using real wine and they're using bread. And uh, Bible says that they were actually getting drunk while taking communion. <laughs> They, they were over drinking the wine at the communion that's supposed to represent the blood of Jesus, right? And they're literally getting drunk, you know, and they're fighting, they're bickering, they're, they're, they're fighting over who's cooler than other people. Like, is this, is that weird? I don't know. Can you imagine like we do communion at church and like, you know, brother, you know, brother crazy over there is like, he's like getting drunk and you're not sure is that the spirit or is that the wine? You know what I'm saying? Like, I don't know. Like homeboy's getting drunk. You know, homeboy over here is sleeping with his stepmom. Homeboy over here is just crazy. He's just shouting tongues the whole time. You're like, it's like a little sprinkler that never turned off, you know, like. I'm telling you the truth. This is, this is why 1 Corinthians, the letter, that's why this book exists in your Bible. <laughs> because Paul's like, oh, you guys need a dad. <laughs> you guys need a dad to tell you how to do this. Because you guys are like crazy, wild kids. And so he's writing all this. I'm telling you, everything I'm telling you is right straight up out of Scripture. So, okay. So here, here's, the, here's the encouragement. Encouragement. Ready? Encouragement is all these people were jacked up and Paul still moved towards them and said, hey, I love you. Let me tell you how to Come do it right. On. He didn't throw them away and say, oh, man, you guys are jacked up people. I'm so done with you. Can I get a new Corinth church? You know, like he, 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 he just encouraged them. And he would just write them. He corrected them hard because some of y'all realize, like, you know, if a dude's sleeping with his stepmom, he needs to be rebuked pretty hard. You know, like, <laughs> you know, and all this. If you're getting drunk while taking communion, you're like, somebody needs to get rebuked. Okay, all this is context. Everyone say context. context. So remember, 12, 13, and 14. So now we get to chapter 12 finally, and Paul's saying, I, I don't want you to be ignorant about spiritual gifts. And now he, he starts lining up the spiritual gifts. He starts talking about prophecy and words of knowledge and healing and miracles and speaking in tongues and all these amazing things that God still does today. And then he starts talking about unity in the body of Christ and, and saying things like, your eye can't say to your hand that I don't need you and that we're all part of this body of Christ and that we need each other. And then, and then he gets in 1231, he says, but earnestly desire the best gifts and yet I will show you a more excellent way. And he says, here is the deal. Now, now we get to 1 Corinthians 13. Because remember, these guys, they're like, they're wild people. They, they're, they, if, if, if someone, they'd have, they would have people just speaking in tongues all the time. They would have people prophesying all the time. People, and miracles would be happening all the while this craziness would be happening. And, and he's going like, hey guys, watch this. Uh, the, you're doing, the, the gift part is cool, but I want to tell you the big picture here. Because the big picture is bigger than the gift. And if you get the big picture, you'll, the gift will be like second nature. It's, it's fine. Learn how, to, learn how to flow in this gift. And so he says, I'm gonna, I'm, I want you to keep desiring these gifts, but I'm going to show you the more excellent way. And he gets to 1 Corinthians 13. He says, though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, I, am become, I have become a sounding brass or a clanging cymbal. And basically he's saying, if you look up the words for this, it literally just means agitating and annoying. That's really, that's really what he's saying. And he says, and though I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and though I have all faith so that I could remove mountains but have not love, I am nothing. 
And though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burned, but have not love, it profits me, what is it? Nothing. Nothing. And then, and here, here's, the, here's the passage. Now he starts telling us. He says, love suffers long and is kind, is patient and kind. Love does not envy. Love does not parade itself. It's not puffed up. Love does not behave rudely. Love does not seek its own. It's not provoked. It thinks no evil or keeps no record of wrongs. Verse 6, love does not rejoice in iniquity, but rejoices in the truth. And it says this, verse 7, love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, and endures all things. Love never fails. And then he's saying, here, listen guys, but whether there are prophecies, they, they will fail. Whether there are tongues, they will cease. And whether there is knowledge, it will vanish away. In other words, uh, basically, these gifts are not forever, but love is. This is what he's trying to say. For we know in part, verse 9, and we prophesy in part. But when that which is perfect has come, then that which is in part will be done away. So he's talking about when, when, we, when we get to heaven, that's the perfection that's coming. When I was a child, verse 11, I spoke as a child and I understood as a child and I thought as a child. But when I became a man, I put, childish, I put away childish things. For now we see in a mirror dimly, but then face to face. And now I know in part, but then I shall know just as I am also known. It's talking about this fullness of like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to know things way beyond what I know now. Because I'm going to be in heaven with him. And verse 13, and now abide faith, hope, and love. These three, but the greatest of these is love. love. And then you look at the next verse, what does it say? Pursue love and desire spiritual gifts but especially that you may prophesy. And now he begins to compare prophecy in tongues and goes on. But this is the context. And I want to read that same chapter, but I want to read it out of the Message Bible just because it'll help us get a fresh understanding of this. Check this out. It says, If I speak with human eloquence and angelic ecstasy, but don't love, I'm nothing but the creaking of a rusty gate. You ever have those kind of gates, you know, <laughs> or the doors or the cabinet, you know, it's like, sleep over here. <laughs> Verse 2, if I speak God's word with power, revealing all his mysteries and making everything plain as day, and if I have faith that says to a mountain, jump, and it jumps. Did you, I don't know if you cast this, man. He's saying that you can actually do this without love. Like it is possible to speak to a mountain and have it move, and it, and it moves, but you can do it without love. He's saying that it's actually possible. It just doesn't help you. You with me on this? This is why that passage in Matthew 7 that people get freaked out about that says, you know, many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, and, he'll, and, and they'll be like, I prophesied in your name. I cast out demons in your name. I did miracles in your name. And he's going to be like, I never knew you. Because it's possible to use the gifts of God and to use the gifts without actually being in, in relationship with God. That's, yeah, man, it's possible. It's actually possible to use the gifts and, and to learn how to do it without uh, actually being in a heart connection with God, right? Because God is really after heart connection. 
So if I have a faith that says to a mountain jump and it says jump, but don't have love, I'm nothing. If I give everything I own to the poor and even go to the stake to be burned as a martyr, but I don't love, I've gotten nowhere. So no matter what I say, what I believe, and what I do, I'm bankrupt without love. Love never gives up. Love cares more for others than for self. Love doesn't want what it doesn't have. Love doesn't strut, doesn't have a swelled head. Love doesn't force itself on others. Isn't always, it's not always me first. It doesn't fly off the handle. It doesn't keep score of the sins of others. It doesn't revel when others grovel. Takes pleasure in the flowering of truth. Puts up with anything. It trusts God always, always looks for the best, never looks back, but keeps going to the end. Love never dies. Inspired speech will be over someday. Praying in tongues will end. Understanding will reach its limit. And we know only a portion of the truth, and what we say about God is always incomplete. But when the complete arrives, our incompletes will be canceled. When I was an infant at my mother's breast, I gurgled and cooed like any infant. When I grew up, I left those infant ways for good. We don't yet see things clearly. We're squinting in a fog, peering through a mist, but it won't be long before the weather clears and the sun shines bright. We'll see it all then, see it all as clearly as God sees us, knowing Him directly as He knows us. How many realize that's like not today yet, right? But verse 13 says, But for right now, Until that completeness, we have three things to do that lead us toward that consummation. Trust steadily in God, hope unswervingly, and love extravagantly. And the best of the three is is love. Man, this is wild, man. Can you see that this is not just like a marriage wedding passage? He's saying, listen, guys, I want to actually teach you how to have community and spiritual gifts and how to make these things work right. I, 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 he, he spent chapter 12 saying these are what the gifts are and this is why it's so important to be in unity. And then I'm going to tell you the, the most excellent way. I'm going to tell you love. I'm going to tell you why it's so important. And then he goes right back in in 1 Corinthians 14.1 and he says, hey guys, eagerly desire the, or spiritual gifts, but follow the way of love. Go after love. Eagerly desire the spiritual gifts too though. See, that's the thing. So what I want you to catch here is that love is not a replacement for spiritual spiritual gifts it's taught like that someplace you're like well and and i really believe it's because they don't have any experience they have no understanding of spiritual gifts but we it's but we know love so we're like uh this is weird to me (laughs) speaking in tongues is weird miracles are weird and all that stuff is weird but love i like love and so we just say love is the greatest gift and and we don't need the gifts well like love's not a gift it's the path of life it's god (laughs) you know what i mean the spiritual gifts are gifts and love is life it's the it's the reason in other words love is not a replacement for spiritual gifts it is the reason for the gifts it is the pathway for the gifts it's like saying oh we don't we don't we don't need roads we just need cars you're like um or we don't need we don't need cars we just need roads you know it's like no the the gifts are the cars that get on the pathway on the road they work best when they're on the paved road you know what i mean it's it's this is what love is it's that's why he said follow the way of love i'll show you a more excellent way it's the path of life that we walk on it's the following christ god is love and so spiritual gifts 
or an avenue through which God loves the world. And this is what I want us to catch, is that love, God, God wants to love people. This is the heart of the Father. I'm, I'm telling you, what we just read is, is the heart of our Father. That He loves people so extravagantly. And one of, the, one of the most powerful ways that He loves people is through spiritual gifts. One of the ways He's going to love people through your life is through the gift of prophecy. One, one of the powerful ways that He's going to love people through your life is through, is through healing and miracles. One of the ways He's going to love people through your life is words of knowledge and speaking in tongues and all this stuff. This is the Bible, man. And this is love is not a replacement. No, no, no. This is how God wants to love the world. This is how God wants to do it. And this is our Father. He is constantly closing the gap in between Him and humanity. There, there, is, there, has been, there was a distance and Jesus built the bridge. And so God is now pursuing mankind. He's coming close to people. He, he's not going like, oh my gosh, you guys are jacked up. I'm turning my back and walking away. He's not walking away because he's afraid of people's sins or something. Like, I feel like we do this sometimes. And, we, and, and, and I shared this a few weeks ago when we talked about friend of sinners. But man, I'm telling you, we do this sometimes in our own minds that we, we think like, like, man, oh, oh, that person, oh. you know and like and then you just like you don't really want to move towards them you're actually wanting to take a few steps this way because they're kind of freaking you out because of the way that they sin because of the way that they project themselves because of their maybe their their promiscuity or maybe the way they dress or maybe they dressed intimidating i don't know like i I, whatever the kind of things is sometimes we judge people and we move away from them but the reality is is god is always moving towards people and the greatest proof is that he sent Jesus Christ to save us. He's always moving towards us for the sake of connection. Everyone say connection. connection. He doesn't just want you to say a prayer, right? He doesn't just want us to say a prayer that says, you know, Jesus, I accept you into my heart. You know, take me to heaven when I die. Like, that's cool, right? That's cool. That's like, oh, walk inside the door. But like, hey, after you walk inside the door, there's a whole castle. You know what I mean? Like, there's a whole kingdom to explore. And so he's not after just like do's and don'ts and check off the list, right? We know this. But this is our Father. He is coming close. And it's like that feeling that you get, that, that, that sense of rest, that sense of peace, that sense of, uh, of, of security. It's, this love is the absence of fear. It is the absence of fear's influence. It is, it's the thing that helps you lay your head on your pillow at night and sleep in peace. It's the thing. It's, this is what love does. It's relief from torment. It's relief, it's relief from sickness. It's relief from spiritual agitation. If I, can I say it like that? I don't, I don't know how to even say it like reasonably, but this is how what I experience sometimes. Spiritual agitation. It's like the devil has these flaming darts that he just, you know, and he's just, all day long and just like like what's his name joseph in in the book of genesis where potiphar's wife it says she was trying to she was trying to get with him and and, you know and and she was sketchy and she but you know we you know we love her too but like she was sketchy she was trying to get with joseph and joseph like dude i no way and this is what it says scripturally it says day after day she kept persisting Sleep with me, Joseph. Sleep with me, Joseph. Like, that's... Number one, dude, that's just sketchy. Like, if a girl is coming at you like that, like, already, like, oh, no, thank you. You know, like, it's already, you know what I'm saying? It's already, like, oh, every day. But this is how the devil works, man. He works consistent, persistently, day after day. Spiritual agitations. 
and he's throwing little arrows in our brains, trying to get us to think lies about our lives, trying to get us to think less of ourselves, trying to get us to think less of the people in our lives, trying to get us to think less of our destiny. Or maybe we have a huge dream and when we, uh, I can only really get to level one though. You know what I'm saying? It's like, that's awesome up here and that's just wishful thinking up there. That's wishful thinking to think that big. But I'll just go for level one because at least, you know, just compromise a little bit. And in all these little things, it's these spiritual agitations. And we don't know what it is sometimes, but we just feel like, why does it feel like there's like I'm carrying stuff on my shoulders? Why does it feel like every time I come into worship, like I can't connect or something? And it's these spiritual agitations. But then there's those moments when love breaks through. And he just touches your heart. Boom. And all of a sudden, it's like the, the stuff just melts away. Like, I was just, I, I kind of watch Chronicles of Narnia a lot, but, like, that, you know that time, the, the one where Aslan just, you know, breathes on the frozen things, and they, like, all unfreeze, and they come back to life? This is what love does. And you know this. You know this because I believe that the majority of us in this room have had moments like that with the Father. And this is why, this is, this is summer of love, guys. I, this is, I want you to catch this. This is summer of love. Those moments where it's relief from torment, where it's relief from sickness. Now, can you imagine what it would be like now? Now, why spiritual gifts? Because that happens. That's what spiritual gifts do. Spiritual gifts don't give us cool testimonies to make us feel better about our lives. Spiritual gifts aren't there so that way we f- have like a cool list of things and so now I can go like, this is what I've done for God. Remember, wait, wait, what did we read? Love does not seek its own. Ah, this is what it's supposed to do. Communicate love to the world. You, this is our Father. Our Father has such a passion to communicate His love to the world. He has such a passion. And yes, it's going to be through the preaching of the gospel. Yes, it's going to be through the feeding of the poor. And yes, it's going to, to, to be through the clothing of the homeless and, and all, those, all those amazing things. Through, I love what Christine Kane's doing. Like what we, just, we just heard about this, the A21 campaign, the, the, the se- rescuing people out of the sex trafficking thing. Dude, that's, oh my gosh, that's the love of God coming to people. Yeah. This is the Father. Like you go like, well, we could be like, well, God, wanna, you know, if you want to do it, then do it. If he's like, you do it. <laughs> That's why you're here. And I want you to catch this. You are the face of the Father everywhere you go. You are the face of your Father everywhere you go. This is what Jesus said. This is, this is Bible right here. John 14. He says, when you see me, you see the Father. And, and he says, every time you look at me, you, you can see Dad. And he's trying to say, like, this is, this is our life. Now, guess who we're following? We follow Jesus. So guess what happens? When people see us, they see our Father. And they get to see, not what kind of Father are we talking about? The kind of Father who's always closing the gap between Him and humanity. The kind of God who's always pursuing us. The kind of God who's always believing in us. The, the kind of God who's always choosing us. The, the kind of God who knows the details of our lives, the good, the bad, and the ugly. And He wants to hug us anyway. <laughs> Now, I feel like part of this, we, we can look at this and go like, oh, man, this is like, this is like preaching to the choir. Like, we know this. this is, we talk about this. But I want you to look at this chapter in a whole new light. Because 13 is in between 12 and 14. And he's telling you how to function in spiritual gifts. So now let's look again at 13.4. At 13.4. At 13, yeah, love, love is patient. Love is kind, right? Mm-hmm. Here's what I want you to do now. 
I'm going to just go in the NIV just because it's a little more common. Instead of love is patient, love is kind, let's say this. Prophecy is patient and prophecy is kind. Prophecy does not envy. Prophecy does not boast. And prophecy is not proud. Prophecy does not dishonor others. And prophecy is not self-seeking and is not easily angered. Prophecy keeps no record of wrongs. Oh, prophecy does not delight in evil, but it rejoices with the truth. Oh, this is good. Prophecy always protects, always trusts, always hopes, and always perseveres. Come on with that. Words of knowledge are patient. Words of knowledge are kind. The gifts of healing is patient. It's kind. Miracles are not self-seeking and they're not easily angered. Miracles protect and trust. Do you see what I'm saying here? This is the heart of your father. I, I want us to like have like a brain surgery flip, you know, like. Well, all of a sudden now we're not looking at spiritual gifts as how do I get used by God? But now we're looking at it like, how can I love somebody supernaturally? Do you get what I'm saying, the difference here? Like, I'm trying to say, the gifts are really about the heart of the Father, and the heart of the Father is love. And the, and the love is what God is wanting to, like, like a fire hydrant force of love. You know, have you ever seen a fire hydrant just push, get broken open, and it's like, ah! You know, the little dog walks by, like, oh, that's cool, and it flies, like, 30 feet. I don't know. Like, this is the force of God's love, just, like, blowing out depression in people's lives, like, pushing out fear out of people's lives. Pushing out torment and spiritual agitations. I like that. I'm going to claim that. I'm claiming that. I made that up, Lord. No, you help me. I don't know. Like, like, I'm just saying, like, I'm just, like, thinking, like, this is the power of God. Like, this is what God wants to do through your life. He, he doesn't just want you to be, you know, like, because this is the deal, man. We're, we're in a supernatural culture. People are getting healed consistently. You guys prophesy like crazy. Like, Joel, it's like, like, we're having a grad party at my house, and then, like, poor Anne from InterVarsity got blasted for, like, five hours straight of prophecy. She couldn't leave, and then she's, like, tearing up, like, you guys are so amazing, you know? And all this stuff, because she, what, and this is what she said, out of her own mouth, I heard her. I always feel so refreshed when I'm around you guys. She said, I always feel like I get so filled up when I, when I come around Summit people. I'm like, thank you, Lord. That's so good. That's the heart of the Father. Yeah. That love is, is filling her life back up, recharging her heart up back again. This is the heart of your Father. This is what we want to pursue this, for this whole summer. Yeah. And I'm starting with this because this is, uh, this is going to be the overarching umbrella. This heart of our Father, this yeah. summer of love, this is the overarching thing. So we're going to talk about what it looks like to love yourself. We're going to talk about what it looks like to practically pra- practice doing prophecy in, in words of knowledge or healing. We're going we're gonna to look at different things about being fully known and fully loved and all these different exercises. We're going to have community type of exercises, all these type of things where we're engaging with each other and, and not just isolating you know, by ourselves, you know, but we're, we're experiencing love in community, all this. But I want you to remember this for the whole summer, hey, for the rest of your life. <laughs> this is your father, the overarching, pursuing God. Always closing the gap between us and him. So good. I'm telling you the truth tonight. It doesn't matter how far people run, how far you run. 
He's always one step away, one breath away. He's like, boom, right there all the time. And it always surprises me. I don't know about you. I don't know about you. I've been following Jesus for a long time. I don't know about you, but it still surprises me to this day. And if I still get surprised, how much more someone who's never even experienced this? And this is, the, this is the great privilege of the believer, that we get to bring these type of encounters to people. How? Through the spiritual gifts. This is why Paul writes this chapter. This is the reason why he writes this chapter. Because these guys were wild and they didn't, they didn't understand what they were doing. Here's what I want to just, I'm going to land on this and then I have a little exercise first. Okay, are you ready? Yay. This is going to be great. Um, I've been reading this book. It's a really good book, Translating God by Sean Bowles. And... Um, it's, it's about prophecy, kind of, but it's really about this love thing. And um, just a couple nuggets I wanted to share out of it. Let me get to it. Um, he says this phrase in here, and then he kind of he expands on it. But he says this about God. He said that God's eternal plan is for us to see what he sees, which enables us to love like he loves. Now, that's like a really cool phrase, but I want you to really try to grasp what this, what this is. His eternal plan for us is to see what He sees, so that in, which enables us to love like He loves. Because you can't, you can't love the way that God loves unless you're seeing what He's seeing. You know what I mean? Anyone can discern negative things in people's lives. But it takes the power and the love of God to go a step further to see the heart of God for that person. Just like I was saying about Las Vegas. Anyone can be like, oh, that place is bad. <laughs> it's going to hell in a handbasket, you know, whatever kind of crazy stuff. But you can say whatever, right? It's not that hard to find something bad with somebody. Yeah. But it takes the Holy Spirit and the power of God to look past all this stuff and go, oh, my gosh, this city was born for creativity. This city was born to change the world. This city was born to create wealth, to fund missions in the kingdom of God. It takes, it takes the heart of God to see that in the city. I mean, sometimes we, you, know, you can hear these judgment prophecies like God caused 9-11 and God caused Katrina, caused Katrina you know, Hurricane Katrina, all this. I mean, that's just, that's just baloney, man. That's, anyone can just go like, oh, they sinned, so God judged them. Like, uh, they sinned, so God sent Jesus to die on the cross? Maybe that's a better answer? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Maybe he already dealt with that. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> And, and But what I'm trying to say is even, that's a bigger skill, but even sometimes you're going to pray for someone or you're going to discern something on someone's life and guess what? You're going to see some negative things. And, and you're going to have to, hey, hey Lord, can you show me a step further? Because I'm seeing some things, but, but I read somewhere that love isn't rude. <laughs> and so I don't want to be rude in the way that I love this person because that's not really love. You with me on this? And so he talks, so this book, he says that. He said, if I want to love like God loves, I got to see what he sees. And what does that mean? Okay, so he talks about the book of Revelation, and he talks about um, this, John, John writes the book of Revelation, the apostle John. He gets a, a vision. He is like the closest disciple to Jesus. He is, he is known as the disciple, you know this, whom Jesus loved. You know he's the one who wrote that though, right? So <laughs> he wrote it five times and it only appears in his own gospel. Which means this, that he knew how to practice lo- himself being loved by God. He knew how to feed on the love of God for himself because he called himself the disciple whom Jesus loved. That's a good word. It, you, know, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like if, if, 
if, if all we know God is as master, then all will be as servants. You know, but if we know him as daddy, then we're beloved sons and daughters, man. And so this is John. He's practicing the love of God for himself. But the friend of God gets a vision from God, the book of Revelation. The book of Revelation starts saying, this is the revelation of Jesus Christ. It's the revealing. And when you get to chapter 19 in the book of Revelation, it shows this picture of a bride. And, the, and, and, and this is what it says. He says, he says uh, the master reigns, our, our God, the, the sovereign strong. This is the, the message. Let us celebrate. Let us rejoice. Let him give him glory. The marriage of the lamb has come and his wife has made herself ready. And then he describes what she looks like. She was given a bridal gown of bright and shining linen. The linen is the righteousness of the saints. He sees this beautiful bride in heaven. And she, she's bright and shining. And, and it's her righteousness. That's her right standing with God. He sees this bride in heaven. And, and so this is what, this is what Sean, Sean writes about this. He says... Let me get the right, let me get the right page. Because this is what he saw. He saw the pride and it changed how he saw people afterward is what I'm trying to get at. This is what he said. He said he was now seeing everyone with a full invitation to be that bride. This is what he was saying. When John came back from heaven, he saw the church in a new way. It's like he saw everyone who was running the race already, already at the end with their first place trophy or gold medal. Did you catch that right there? He already saw the end from the beginning. He already saw the most beautiful bride. And that's who we are. And he said, he, it's like he already saw everyone who was running the race already at the end with their first place trophy or gold medal. In the natural, they probably all looked much like the disciples, the prostitutes, fishermen, low caste in society and rich parties of his day. But in his spirit, John had new eyes of revelation. He could see people as though they were fully ready to say yes on their wedding day. And this is how he began to treat everyone. Wow. He saw what God saw, and then he could love like God loved. Mm -hmm. You catching what I'm saying here? Come on, this is not just a concept, man. This is not just a, a cool concept like, oh, that's nice. I'm going I'm, I'm, I'm to challenge you to go deep with this thing. He saw what God saw. This is now how he began to treat everybody. He, he didn't just, just see like an outcast, you know, kid on the side of the road. He, he, he saw a champion. Come on. Like Georgian was sharing last night. They rescued some kids out of child slavery, uh, their child soldiers. And, and he said, when you would ask them, when you first rescued them, they, would, they, they asked them, what do you want to do when you grow up? What do you want to be? And he says, you wouldn't imagine the blankest look that you got. There was nothing there. No one had ever asked them the question. Hey, do you want to, what do you want to become? What do you want to do with your life? They were, they were child soldiers. They were, they were like less than 10 years old. Child soldiers sold into that thing. And when you asked them what they wanted to do, they had blank stares. They had no sense of purpose. Georgian didn't see someone with no sense of purpose. Do you want to know what those kids are doing now? One's a doctor. One's a nurse. And the other one was, a, what was it? An engineer. This is how you see what God sees so you can love them the way God loves them. You don't see a purposeless child soldier who was stuck into a thing with, with no destiny. You look at them and you see the end from the beginning. John saw the bride and he says, oh my gosh, this is changing the way I see everybody now. Are you following what I'm saying? Am I making sense? Yeah. And then he says this, he says, and this is, he goes on in the book, he says, talk about fathering and, coach, and coaching coming from the ultimate place. 
He said, what would happen if people had treated you from the time you were a small child as if you were going to be one of the most important people in history and eternity? What would happen if we chose to treat each other according to our eternal identity now? One of the last great moves of God is going to be the awakening of the whole earth. We'll walk into a functioning place of revelation that empowers people to fully say yes to God and to take on his nature so they can be amazing now, not just in eternity. <laughs> this is really good, man. One more little portion I wanted to share here. I was just thinking about this actually. This is and we're gonna we're gonna land on a little thing in just a second here. I was just thinking about this. If I'm not mistaken, I don't I, I think that like Stephen Ings the dad isn't born again yet, right? Is that right? Did you guys know this? Really? Oh my gosh, dude. Yeah. Wow. 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 Blasted yeah. him. Yeah. So here's the deal. We're praying for him at the grad party. Right? Yeah, right? Yeah, and, and we prayed for him at the grad party, and the dude was like, he was really getting touched, man. And all these prophetic words were, and Stephen was saying like to, to Susan and, and that these prophetic words were really touching his life. The dude is getting wrecked. Yeah. But here's what I love about this. We didn't pray for him like he wasn't saved. Because wow. some of us didn't know that. <laughs> I knew he wasn't saved. Oh my but gosh. I didn't go, like I'm going <laughs> to announce to everybody. <laughs> hey guys. He's actually. <laughs> he's not born again. Let's get him real good, guys. Turn off the Christian Yeah, no, wow. That's so powerful. Why am I saying this? Why am I saying this? Because we treated him like he was already part of the family before he's a part of the family. That's so good. Yeah, yeah. yeah. This is what your father does. This is the heart of the father. Preach it. This is what John saw. John went to heaven and saw all of humanity prepared as the bride. Beautiful, shining bright, glorious. He saw you. He saw me like this. And so when he comes back down to earth and he's seeing all the people around him, he's not going like, oh my gosh, you're so lame. <laughs> These prostitutes and tax collectors, they ministered to broken people. Yes. And, and John was known as the apostle of love. How could he do that? Not only because he practiced the love of God for himself, but he saw what God saw. Come on with that. And this is how the Father sees you. And this is how the Father sees the world. I'm telling you, this is 1 Corinthians 13. This is the heart of the Father. It's in between 12 and 14 for a reason, because it's how do you minister to people? And how do you have community? Yeah. It's not, hey, this is how you do a good marriage. Does it work there? Yeah, it works there. I need it for my marriage. Amen. You know, like I get that. But it's how you do live community, how you minister spiritually. Yeah. I know I'm, I'm driving this thing home and I'm like a broken record. I love it. This yeah. is God, man. So this is God. And I love it because we treated Stephen's dad like he was already part of the family. And this is how we should treat people Amen. who are not born again yet, who aren't saved yet. We call them pre-believers. This is how we should treat every sinner that we come across. That we just get to go like, oh my gosh, we just treat them like they're already part of the family. Yes. I had Jehovah Witness at my door this morning, you know, and, wow. and, and, I, and I felt like I could have loved them better. But I just... I just started sharing testimonies about healing, and I practiced some words of knowledge on them. It was great, you know. It's like, I was like, yeah, you, you know, I was kind of basically thinking that the lady had trouble sleeping or whatever. She's like, actually, you want to know what I have wrong with me? I got knee problems. I got back problems. What else do I got? You know? She was like, oh, what else I got? And I'm like, well, I just bless you in this whole thing. And they're kind of stuck on it. It only happens in heaven. And I'm like, uh, on earth, it's in heaven. You know, and I'm like. 
but it was this kind of weird exchange. But I'm just saying, like, I want to, I want to treat them like they're already part of the family yeah, before they're a part of the good. family. Yeah. Good. Because that's how John saw them, and this is how we get to see people. This is your father. This is this is this is who the, the father really is. He's not angry. He's not waiting for you to get better. He's not waiting for the world to get better. How many of you understand? Like, that's really good, man. Yeah. That's so good. That is so good. Yes. And so here's what I want to do. Uh, is the is the audio? I just want to turn this. Uh, is the screen still on? Oh, it is. Yeah. Just um, so here's what I want to do. We're gonna I'm gonna play this video, and what I would like you to do is uh, I want you if you know the song, cool. If you don't, the lyrics are gonna come up on. It's like a lyric video. And what I'd love to do is I want us to let this overarching theme, the heart of the Father, this love, I want, I want you to just soak in this thing tonight. Remember, this is Summer of Love. This is, our, this is the introduction. This is the introduction to the entire summer and to letting God shape our hearts, letting God take some lenses off that we saw the world through, saw ourselves through. How many of you realize, like, this is good just for the person you see in the mirror every day? Mm-hmm. Amen. It's good for that person, too. <laughs> Can you imagine seeing yourself as a, that shining, beautiful bride? I know, guys, it might be a little weird, but just go with it. <laughs> Come on, dude. And I'm just telling you, like... This is our father, man. This is, he's a good God, man. So uh, you can watch it. You can sit. You can whatever. I want to encourage you just to kind of get in just a place where you can receive. And, and, uh, and let's, just, let's just let the Lord speak to us through this.